I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. We are in a fifth generational conflict. For every lie they tell, we're going to get in their face and yell two truths. This is Human Events with your host, Jack Posobiec. Deliver us from evil. Name me a single objective we've ever set out to accomplish that we've failed on. Name me one. Georgia District Attorney Fannie Willis is ready for a speedy trial. She's the DA prosecuting former President Donald Trump for efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election results. She's aiming for a March 4th trial date of the former president and an early September arraignment coming right up. I did a work sample in the system, and when I hit save, it went to the press queue. When you poll people, a lot of people say we're in a recession, and that's just literally not true. I'm already thinking about ways for the state to acquire that land so that we can put it into workforce housing, to put it back into families. We've got some possible developments that could mean no death penalty and no trial for five people in custody for their part in the 9-11 terror attacks. The Biden administration, in regards to Title IX, they're rewriting it to where it's no longer preventing discrimination on the basis of sex. It's preventing discrimination on the basis of gender identity. From Apple, we found an issue with your show, the Glenn Beck program, which must be resolved before it's available on Apple Podcasts. Your show's been removed from Apple Podcast from the Apple Podcast team. They sent us to uh, sent us a link and said, for more details, go to the link. And the, the link only says, your show has been removed from Apple Podcast. I want to say one thing to your children. I know some really great ice cream places around here. <laughs> and Daddy owes you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events with Jack Posobiec live from Washington, D.C. Today is August 17th, 2023, Anno Domini. Folks, we are now in the hunt. The hunt is on because you can see the pressure coming from multiple angles all at once. And you must increase the pressure. There's two types of people. Two types of people. They're the types of people that when pressure is applied, they push pressure back. There's also the type of people that when pressure is applied, they fold. They fold under questioning, to quote the famous scripture passage. Do not be the type of person who folds. MAGA must be the type of person that pushes back. We are having a squeeze put on us right now. The squeeze is coming from government. It's coming from the legislatures. It's coming from the judiciary. It's coming from these false, phony Soros prosecutors. It's coming from Fannie Willis. It's coming from so many areas. And you look out there what's going on. Joe Biden, using a pseudonym, it's now been revealed. We must, in the House, pull forth every single aspect of Joe Biden's fake names, 
how he was able to use these across the laptop. I've instructed the team over at Human Events is going through the laptop right now. We're looking for those documents. We're going to pull it all up. Uh, Human Events, Post Millennial. Make sure you're watching there for all the breaking news. That's number one. Then you've got number two, this piece out of Hawaii, where pressure is being applied in a sideways manner because we're now living through the collapse of complex systems. You're seeing it in air travel. You're seeing it in our infrastructure. Well, all the way back in 2015, the Hawaii legislature mandated that rather than work on their electric lines and maintain their projects on the island, that Hawaii's electric grid be switched over to all renewable sources. Resource allocation through ESG programs, the first state in the entire nation, the entire electric grid was mandated to be pushed over by the state legislature to green renewable energy. And now we're finding that these fires may have been sparked in part by faulty power lines in Hawaii while they were allocating all of their resources to go green. Then down in Georgia, we're told, don't worry about that. Don't pay attention to it. Look over here because down in Georgia, we've got the RICO case and Norm Eisen is up. And you guys remember Norm Eisen. I've told you about him. This is the man who, I wouldn't say that he's got a brain, but I would say that he is the voice of the hive brain of the left. And he's crowing right now. He's got a piece over there in the New York Times. Norm Eisen, oh, I'm so excited, so excited. He's aroused. He's sexually aroused, Norm Eisen, by this RICO indictment. It's got all of them. It's got Trump. It's got everybody. He's, going, it's, he's doing a victory lap, folks. The left is going on a victory lap. Why? Because they're putting their political opponents in jail and using it to distract from the entire country falling around all around them. We're going to talk to Vita Duffy next from The Federalist, who's been writing a ton about the distraction efforts of the left. We're going to go through this in full detail. We've got a ton of great guests today. The show is packed. Don't go anywhere. I rolled with bloods, and then boys had a saying. Can't be listening to all that slappy whack, trimatazalitzabam ship, nippy bam bam, like human events with Jack Posobiec. Jack Posobiec back here live, Washington, D.C. Human events continues. And folks, there's a lot to be nervous out there. Open social media or you turn on the news and you will see that crime is all around you. And it's becoming this decay in our society and terrible, terrible decay. A lot of people just run out and buy a gun and you wanna be safe, but you need to practice so you don't hurt yourselves or others. There's a way around it. You need to train and train often. Unfortunately, it's time consuming to go to the range, assuming there's one even nearby, and ammo prices for the brass through the roof. iTarget was invented so you could practice anytime in the safety and convenience of your own home. Simply download the iTarget Pro app, load your caliber specific laser bullet into your firearm and start training. Practice alone, compete with friends, or use it to safely train friends and family who are new to firearms. Go to iTargetPro.com and when you get 10% off 
at checkout with promo code POSO. This is the smartest, safest way to train, which is why competitive shooters trust dry firing regimen as part of their regimen. Get yours today. That's letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com, promo code POSO. Now, you're, in the last segment, I explained exactly what's been going on out here. So Maui has been on fire. The electric grid seems like it completely failed. Now we're seeing and we're getting more information that the Hawaiian electric grid, the, the, uh, the state-related enterprise that's supposed to run this, Hawaiian Electric, has been focused all of their money, all of their resources allocated towards renewable energy. They're all in on this. Why? Because the state legislature, the Democrats control it there, have been all in saying we have to go green, we have to be renewable, as opposed to actually investing in their infrastructure. This is the collapse of complex systems. And now we're told that these faulty electric lines and the fact that they have not maintained their, uh, these, these, um, these backbrush, actually done wildfire management, wildlife management, or uh, uh, you know, foliage management may have kicked off an insane wildfire that's killed over 100 people already. And we're told that many of them are children. But we're not supposed to pay any attention to that. Don't pay no attention to the government failing there. Pay no attention to the government failing all over the country because Joe Biden, Joe Biden and his buddies have indicted Donald Trump yet again. And you've got, you've got, uh, you've got Norm Eisen. He's eyeing up. He's eyeing up Fannie Willis's booty of charges down there in Fulton County. He's eyeing him up. He's eyeing him up big. He's saying, look at this big, big booty of charges down in Fulton County. And Norm Eisen is so excited about this. That's all he's talking about. So I wanted to bring in here a, a writer from The Federalist who actually, I would say, broke the story in terms of this tactic the Democrats are using for distraction. And now, you know, they're, they're over on these other channels and they've got the wall-to-wall giant screens. But folks, it's actually Evita Duffy over at The Federalist that first broke this playbook down for us. Evita, I feel like every time I have you on, I ask you the same question. What are the Democrats trying to distract us from now? Well, the, the the biggest thing right now is actually we're we're in the anniversary of the uh, the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal. Probably one of the exactly. worst things to come out. Yeah, it was one of the worst things to come out of the Biden administration, and nobody's talking about it because we're all so preoccupied with the next Trump indictment, which, by the way, is ridiculous. I mean, he's being indicted for me- members of his team tweeting or sending personal emails to one another. I mean, it's. It's, I mean, the charges are crazy, even crazier, I think, than the last indictment, which is which is essentially criminalizing First Amendment protected speech. It's it's actually crazy. And I also think like the, the Maui fires are super interesting to talk about because if this was a climate related issue, right, they, the, the left would be screaming about the Maui fires. Biden would be there right now demanding more money for climate strike climate change but now it's actually turning out to be potentially an infrastructure problem and nobody no, nobody now cares about it on the left and this is really what they do all the time right they distract us from real issues um, and from problems that they've created um, and 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 really try to drive the narrative and unfortunately the corporate media is on board a hundred percent of the time nobody except for outlets like you or the Federalist um, are actually talking about what's going on and what the American people really care about. Well, and Evita, I mean, look at this. This is this isn't East Palestine, right? This is a Democrat area 
Um, you know, it's it's a place that that voted for Joe Biden. This is their constituents. They, these are the guys that voted for their entire state legislature voted for the entire electric grid of Hawaii to go green. They set a 30-year target date, so that's uh, in 20, I believe 2045 was the date they set it for because it was back in 2015. And so... You don't see this leading the nightly news, though. You don't see it at all. It's these RICO charges, and Trump said, find the votes, and we have to go. They're criminalizing legal work. They're criminalizing speech. They don't seem like, to, like they're talking about Maui at all. And I hate to do that, you know, sort of double standard thing, but it, it, it's, it's a joke, right? We know if Trump were in office, they would be showing this over and over, and then they would be running some narrative of saying, oh, Trump refused to pay some Hawaii allocation. They find some way to blame it on him, right? They'd find some way to blame it on him. But when it comes to Biden, they're not even talking about it at all. No, and then, and then of course it's purposeful. And like I said, the media is totally complicit with it. I think the left and what has become so clear over the last few years is that they're anti-human, right? They're anti-the populist. They claim to be for the working yes. man, um, for regular Americans, and they're just not. I mean, I, there are, I don't know if you've heard of C40. Um, it's like this group of, of big-time mayors around the world. There are 14 American mayors who have committed by 20, 2030 to ban meat, to ban dairy, to administer only three articles of clothing per person per year, only one return flight um, under 1,500 miles every three years, crazy, crazy climate goals that these really globalist leaders have um, showing that they really don't care about our quality of life with the Maui fires, especially. I mean, there's a complete disregard um, for humanity and an overemphasis on really the the people that are have a lot of influence and power in America. Right. So if we're talking about what, what matters to Americans right now, um, inflation is a huge deal. People can't buy their own groceries. People can't afford um, to, to buy a home um, if you're a young person like I am. And, and instead, we're completely preoccupied with Trump and with protecting Joe Biden and the ongoing uh, Biden bribery scandal. You know, you mentioned that actually last week, and, and I wanted to follow up with you on it because, you know, you about buying a new home. Are you is that something you're trying to do? Or are you trying to you guys are trying to get a home right now? And I don't not asking specifics, but what are some of the roadblocks that you're finding uh, when it comes to that? Yeah, so I mean, I got married um, last summer. I'm 23, Congrats. newly married, um, trying to save up. Thank you. And um, we, you know, we we can't we can't buy a home because um, the, the interest rates are so high. And of course, the reason the interest rates are so high is because inflation is high. Um, and inflation is high because of reckless Democrat spending. And the American people, I think, um, especially I think older generations know that. I think it's a real problem with younger generations, and and a, and, a, and a problem with messaging to them, right? Because they they see this issue and they think, okay, well, the answer is you know a common communism and, 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 and communal living and all these radical ideas. And if Republicans were able to really message to young people and say, this is why this is happening to you. This is why your groceries are so high. This is why inflation is so high. Um, they would make a lot more inroads with young voters. And unfortunately, they're just not doing it. I'm sure it has something to do with the consultant class, um, but it's, it's really frustrating to see. And that's amazing. So you're, and it's true, by the way, because I'll tell you that just two decades or so ago in the United States, it was so easy to be able to buy property, to buy land. In fact, it, you could argue that it was actually too easy. And this is one of the things that led to the financial crisis in the first place, because so many of these 
loans, these home loans, these mortgages were being given out to people that could not afford them. That's why they were subprime mortgages in the first place. And of course, you know, even but even the, the great movie, The Big Short, gets this wrong because they keep saying, oh, it was greed. Oh, it was greed. No, it wasn't greed. It was government largesse. It was this idea that every person who wanted to have their own home should be able to have one regardless of their financial status, regardless of their risk profile. Like if you, for example, didn't have any income at all, uh, then you were getting all these loans and they would just pass it off to, um, they'd pass it off to one of the banks, the banks would pass it off to somewhere else, the, the, another investment bank would get involved and the cycle would just keep going. Eventually government would come in and backstop it. The whole thing blew up with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And then instead of actually dealing with the problem, what did the government do? Well, the government, the Fed just came in and said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna use a process called quantitative easing. And then we're just gonna print more money. The money printer got fired up. And here's the problem that's now facing people like you that are trying to get a house today. The money printer has never been turned off. That's why the interest rates are where they are. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you put it so well. And I had I had this. We actually watched the big short a while ago with my husband and he was just like, this is not this is not what's actually happening. It was such a funny um, story as we're dealing with it in, in, in real time. And I think that that is really such an important thing to be messaging to people is the the government is never going to help a situation. It's that classic Ronald Reagan line or the, the scariest, you know, nine words in the world are, you know, I'm the government and I'm here to help. And and I, I, I really think that these are things that matter to the American people. People. These are things that really impact someone's day-to-day -day life, and Democrats yeah, there's actually, are not caring about it. We, we've got about a minute till the break, and I want to get into this piece that you wrote uh, for The Federalist when we come back. Uh, a story from your own family, but a story that I think will affect a lot of people um, because we can see things like this going on in our own world, in our own country today. Unfortunately, um, some horrific tales from the Spanish Civil War, a, a war which, by the way, never taught anywhere in U.S. history. If it's ever brought up, it's always from the, the, the side of, quote unquote, the left. But I think what people don't understand about the Spanish Civil War is, no, it wasn't just the left or the international liberals. It was the communists. It was literally the communists. We'll be right back here with Evita Duffy. She's going to give us the truth. By the way, my favorite movie on the financial crisis, Margin Call, uh, Jeremy Irons. It's fantastic. It actually gets into the government's role, which is something that the big short doesn't actually talk about. Stay tuned. Human events come right back. Go watch Margin Call. Check it out. talk about influencers. These are influencers. And uh, they're friends of mine. Jack Rosovic. Where's Jack? Jack. He's done a great job. All right, Jack Pesovic here live, Washington, D.C. We do have breaking news over the break. Mike Lindell on stage at the election summit there, Springfield, Missouri. Promised I would bring this up, so I'm going to bring this up. Here's the briefing for Plan 2024. What Mike is doing is he's taking a series of devices, handheld devices, to essentially distribute throughout the entire country so that anyone that wants to get plugged in with his network is able to do so as a volunteer. And these devices, it's an electronic device that you'll be able to actually take up. You don't have to go in, but you can go outside polling places and you will be able to detect whether or not voting machines are, in fact, connected to the Internet or not. Uh, this is something, I don't have all the details on the technology, but I was briefed on this. 
it's an interesting it's an interesting strategy because this is something similar to what the IC would do. It's called war driving in terms of being able, look, when the feds want to get into your Wi-Fi, when the feds want to get into uh, your communications, this is exactly what they would do because they're looking for those open signals. Now, what this is doing, it's not hacking because all he's looking for to see is there information moving between those voting machines and the open internet. And if there is, then you would know that they've been lying all along. So there you have it, Mike Lindell's plan 2024. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. We'll be able to get to that as it breaks out, but that is the basic briefing on it, as I promised. So I want to get back to Evita Duffy here, because Evita, this piece you wrote in The Federalist, I read it word for word uh, the other day when you had posted it. I sent it around to a bunch of people, and I actually had no idea that this was part of your, your family background um, that you were directly tied. You had, you had family members that lived through the Spanish Civil War. Walk us through this. So, yeah, so the, the Spanish Civil War um, was, was fought between 1936 and 1939, but it was really sparked um, by the persecution of Catholics um, in the lead up to the war. So the, the government, the Republic, so they called it, in Spain was run by by communists, by radical leftists, really influenced by Stalinism at the during that time period. And they started by started off their persecution of Catholics by banning crucifixes in the classroom, then banning Catholic schools, then saying that marriage um, that was done in with, with the Catholic Church was no longer valid in the eyes of the state. Um, and then it really escalated to to, to much greater, you know, heights. They, they actually started to, to murder Catholic monks, uh, nuns, bishops, priests. My family lived through the Spanish Civil War and they were targets of communist aggression because they were um, Spanish intellectuals. They were upper class, middle class, but also they were Catholic writers. Um, and my great grandfather was in prison during the war. The men he was in prison with ended up being murdered by the communists. They, they, my great great grandparents were separated um, for years until the war was over. And I have I had an extended family member who was actually a priest who ended up um, being captured by the communists. He was going to be shot in a firing squad, but they ended up grazing his arm. And when they grazed his arm, he begged them to actually kill him. And instead. The executioners um, buried him alive, and th there are so many stories like this, um, and that people have in other parts of the world too, right? I mean, there was a similar persecution of religious people um, in Soviet Russia, and so it, it, to me, as somebody who has this family history and who was taught the communist version in in high school, uh, which was infuriating, and I really bothered me that my classmates were only getting one side of the story. Um, it, it really makes us context. It's a good way to contextualize what we're going through right now because we're seeing with the FBI a very similar persecution of religious people, but specifically Catholics. And it always starts with Catholics. It really does. And that should send up smoke signals to everyone that we we need to have, um, we need to be on alert. We need to be rebuking any kind of persecution of Catholics or discrimination, whether that be, you know, at the Dodgers game um, or with, with, members appoint, uh, with members of Congress appointing uh, people to the Supreme Court or, or other higher, higher offices. Um, we really need to be keeping this in check um, and being aware of it. No, I was I was proud yeah. to have actually been there at that Dodgers game. Evita, this this uh, story that your family experienced, and tell us a little bit. By the way, you know this side of the Spanish Civil War that you're talking about, the Catholic side, the nationalist side, the side that won, by the way, um, is never brought up 
in U.S. classrooms. It's never just, it's not something that I learned about until I started reading books uh, much, much later in life, uh, way beyond high school, college, etc. Um, Mystery Grove uh, Publishing House has some good books on it. But how, what is the narrative that we get told or that, you know, most Americans get told in, in high school about the Spanish Civil War? So usually in, in history, we, we, we hear the side of, of, of the victor, right? That's usually how it goes, but not with the Spanish Civil War. Um, and I think the reason is because a lot of Americans were actually involved in the Spanish Civil War. There was a lot of sort of communist intellectuals, artists, poets who left Hemingway. America to join to join the, the communists and fight on their side. And some of them even died, um, but they brought those stories back to the United States and and really dominated the narrative around the Spanish Civil War um, in college and high school classrooms. And and but, but this is also something that we see all the time, right? It's not just the Spanish Civil War. It's almost every single aspect of American and global history where there is a an, an overemphasis on uh, condemning right-wing governments, right? And, and you know, ignoring um, or belittling the the atrocities that were committed by communists um, in, in the previous century. And this is this is what leftists do, right, to to make sure that in the future we are desensitized to the to similar communist and, and socialist uh, policies in the United States. And it's it really is amazing because the level of atrocities that were committed by the communists not only was absolutely horrific, um, it, I, you know, I, I actually spoke about this uh, briefly at at the L.A. Dodger prayer rally um, when I when I gave a speech uh, prior to it, along with Bishop Strickland and others, and I talked about how it was nuns. It, nuns were raped on the altar in churches. Uh, priests forced to watch. Then all of them would be lined up and shot, or as you mentioned, your family member ended up being buried, even though he wasn't dead. Um, this the sheer level of the horrors that is spoken of uh, is is never you can't find this in any any Hollywood movie. By the way, that, the same is true for any communist revolution. Hollywood will not make movies of this. Whether it's uh, we've we've focused on China a lot here on the program, but you could talk about the Bolshevik Revolution. You could talk about. Um, Spanish Revolution, uh, the French Revolution, which is sort of a proto-Marxist revolution, if you actually look at it that way, extremely, extremely anti-Catholic, smashing the statues in Notre Dame, converting all of Notre Dame into this uh, you know, temple to reason and enlightenment, etc. And again, priests killed, pre, uh, nuns ravaged, again and again over at Mexico many times. But with the Spanish Civil War particularly, we, we never get told in these terms that um, it was actually the communists and at the time, the international, so the Comintern, which was the International Communist Syndicate headed out of Moscow, because that's, of course, where the communists got their first foothold. So now they've got the power of the state. What people don't understand, Evita, is that when the communist revolution started in Spain, it didn't start uh, militarily from the ground up. They actually took over the state first. Walk us through how the communists were able to do that in Spain. Right. I mean, so so they so they overthrew their monarch, um, and there was there was sort of a a vacuum, and they they were able to sort of get 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 their way in in multiple factions of government, right? And they knew, and this is what's actually happening in the United States, right? They knew that if they wanted to create a communist state, the best way is not you know collective you know community organizing and and grassroots you know sort of action. It was really to take over um, and it, the highest levels of government and to do it top down, which we see reflected in in our own country. 
country today. And part of the problem when we talk about the way that this story and so many others have been repurposed um, to make the leftists look really good um, in American education is that we're we're talking about now generations of of misinformation, really. Because I when I when I was in my class learning about this and pointed out, hey, this isn't the real story. I don't know why we're only learning about the supposed Republicans. They weren't they weren't interested in the Republic. They were full fledged communists. This was not. And and so many people were, were, were hurt by this, including my own family. And when I pointed that out to the teacher, she didn't know. She didn't know the other story because she was only taught one side. Um, and so part part of when we talk about how do we how do we fix our education system, we have to start with the teachers' colleges, to be honest. I mean, that's where a lot of the radicalization is happening. And then it's trickling down um, from, from the college level all the way down to now elementary school with social emotional learning and other ways of injecting ideology um, into into students who who really there can't be a free marketplace of ideas with with, you know, five year olds. Right. Um, and so it was very purposeful um, and it's now very deep seated. And we have to really look at the root cause of all of these things before um, we can say banning, you know, banning LGBTQ explicit books in high school, because it, it's so much more than that. And it's going to take so much more than that. And I, I, I really appreciate you saying that because there's this sort of mentality on the right that if we unplug from the institutions and we just go run off and raise chickens, um, that's not a Tim Pool reference, um, that... Uh, you know, everything will be fine and we can go off. But you know what the left does? They, they indoctrinate teachers. They go to teaching schools. They go to journalism schools. They go to law school. They become the judges. They become the ones who control the institutions. They become the teachers. They become the academics. So the rest of us, we're out sitting there saying, okay, you know what, we can live with our families in peace. Yeah until they come for you. And here's the thing folks with the internet. Uh, and just like any, like any uh like any uh, any any abusive person in a relationship right they will never let the other one leave they will always go after them evita duffy one minute left where can people go to read this incredible story and to follow you in your works so it's uh, at thefederalist.com. You can find it in the latest section or just under my byline, Avita Duffy. Um, and then my, my Twitter is Avita Duffy underscore one. What, what a horrifying story. I hope you, I, I would love, by the way, um, just, just straight up pitching you here. I, it sounds like, you know, if you've got it in you, this, this would be easily turned into a book, documentary, podcast series. It sounds like there's a lot, lot more to just this one story. And I think that people need to actually know the truth of the Spanish Civil War, possibly more so than others, because that may be the one that we are closest, uh, closestly following a parallel to. Thank you so much, Avita. Thank you. God bless. All right, folks, when we come back, we're going to talk about how we can fight back and how one target that we've been focused on, Target itself, has actually gone down. the boring people at your office and trying to listen to the new human events with Jack Pozobic. All right, Jack Pozobic here back live, Washington, D.C., joined now by Michael Seifer, the CEO and founder of Public Square, because, 
You know, we talk about Public Square all the time here on the show. You guys have been huge supporters of human events, and we're very grateful for that. And we talk about the rise of the parallel economy. We keep saying that if conservatives want to fight back, you know, don't go fight in the streets. Fight with your wallet. Fight with your dollars. Fight with your purchases. You want to do warfare? Do economic warfare. And people say, oh, it'll never work. Never. Really? How's Bud Light feeling about that? Michael, tell us how Target is feeling about that right now. think that Target would be feeling quite a bit of introspective remorse, wondering how could we have missed this? It was our first quarterly earnings miss in over six years, sales down over 5% from this same time last year. How could this have happened? We really need to look internally and renegotiate uh, our contracts and relook at why we do what we do. But they did not do that. Brian Cornell, in fact, actually blamed the sales drop on the response to their pride displays, not on the pride displays themselves. In fact, he said that Unequivocally, they will continue to support Pride and other, quote, heritage moments into the future, and that it was actually the backlash to Pride that caused their sales to drop. And he actually said that it was the violent threats against their workers that caused people to boycott the store out of fear of violence. So he's completely missed it and is clearly not aware of this massive growing sentiment of frustration in our country that people rightfully have against these corporate entities that have become more like progressive political organizations rather than companies that are focused on providing quality. So when Target decided to indoctrinate kids about sexual topics with their products and tucking underwear and the like, uh, they should expect to receive a backlash that looks like an economic boycott. And because they're unwilling to apologize and instead they're doubling down, I would expect that those boycotts will continue for years to come. So when these boycotts, and I got to tell you, by the way, and I said this before, uh, you know, the other day on the show here, um, my wife, Tanya, that she, you know, she, 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 she like watches the show, but she's not, she's not a political news junkie like me. She's not like super involved in this stuff. But I got to tell you, there was something about this Target one and the way that they went after kids that I, I offhandedly said something to her the other day. I said, oh, like, oh, did you stop at Target? Not even thinking, right? And, and she go, she turns to me in the car and goes, I'm boycotting Target. I'm not going back to Target. I don't know if I'll ever go back to Target. I was like, Wow, I've never seen her have that kind of emotional reaction the way she, because she loved Target, loved it. So let me ask you, are you seeing that kind of effect on a wider scale when Target goes and does something like this? Are then people also taking the next step and tying it to action through Public Square? Yeah, actually, a, a quantitative example of that. When Bud Light did what they did back at the end of March, yeah. we the next day saw an 800% increase in searches for beer on our platform. When Target did what it did in May in preparation for their Pride Month displays, uh, we saw the largest growth week we've ever had. The more that these companies continue to abuse the, and uh, honestly insult the values of tens of millions of Americans that embrace common sense, uh, those consumers are then flocking away from that uh, 
corrupted corporate American environment and toward a platform like ours and other companies similar that embrace the values that made our country so special in the first place and would never dare try to indoctrinate their children. The reality is, for a long time, a lot of people were frustrated at this, but until they came after the kids and until they started assaulting the basic truths of biology like gender, uh, you saw a lot of people sort of going along to get along. No longer. These people, and by the way, many economists think that this cohort of Americans that are frustrated by these acts of political progressive activism in the marketplace totals over a hundred million people that community is now saying you crossed a line we're done and they're putting their uh, values behind their dollars they're putting purpose behind their purchases and we're trying to help them in that endeavor i do not think it's enough just to boycott boycotts can be incredibly effective because consumers deserve choice around where they should put their dollars and you should not empower businesses that hate you with your dollars but that boycott is incomplete unless you can actually shift your dollars to something more positive because that's the stuff that will have longevity. When you can move your consumer purchasing power, you're actually going to shift the nation and shift the power structures of society back toward the values of we the people. And the last thing that I'll mention, Jack, is that between Anheuser-Busch, Disney, and Target, between the months of March and June, those three companies saw a combined market cap decrease of over $55 billion. That money doesn't just evaporate. It's got to shift somewhere. So we're really proud to see that consumers are mobilizing their dollars, they're voting with their wallets, and they're pushing their consumer purchasing power, their investment dollars, to brands that will embrace the values that their household can feel confident, cherishing, and protecting. So it's a, an exciting time for the parallel economy because people are seeing the money actually move. Look, and, and I've said for a while now that this also, the Sound of Freedom is a great example of this because you've got one movie that's just sort of, it's just become a, and I, I don't even think that the, the producers, and I've talked to the producers and the director and some of the, you know, uh, Caviezel and the rest, none of them were even thinking of it in that perspective. But if that movie had come out last year, if it had come out three years ago, four years ago, uh, it wouldn't have had the same impact as it did coming out this year on the 4th of July, immediately after this month, uh, Pride Month, where, and especially this year, where so many huge brands went all in on it, where people are saying, look, we're checked out of the big brands, we're checked out of big Hollywood, and then along comes a movie that says, not only are we telling a story that you believe in, but we're doing it outside of that system. That's why you're seeing these massive rewards. It's beaten. Uh, at the U.S. box office now, it's beaten Indiana Jones. It's beaten Mission Impossible. I've got the list of Transformers, Creed. It's beaten Pixar. Uh, it, you DreamWorks, go down the list. Uh, Warner Brothers, DC. It's beating, like, the, I think Barbie is the only thing beating. They've almost, yeah, they're just about $9 million behind John Wick right now. They're, they're almost beating John Wick, and they go international this weekend. So when you're talking about a primed market, uh, do you really think then that there are 100 million people that are willing to say, you know what, and what percentage of that 100 million then, I guess I should ask, is willing to then take the next step to say, we don't want to go back to any of those brands. We want to focus on smaller brands. Well, I would say that uh, there was a 5W consumer uh, report that came out two years ago that found that 73% of 
Americans actively factor in the values a company espouses before shopping there. And people don't necessarily look for brands that align with their political ideology. It's deeper than that. It's about the principles that guide a company. And unfortunately, we've seen that many of the major multinational companies in the United States today have taken a principled approach away from the values held by over 100 million Americans. And in the, the broader American economic landscape, Breitbart had a survey last year that found that uh, over 60 percent of Americans are fed up with progressive corporate activism. So you start to put these numbers numbers together and then you actually quantify that in dollars. If you just take the people, Jack, that voted for Trump in the 2020 election that we know of, that they're willing to admit, if you just take those people in 2020, over 30% of American GDP voted for Donald Trump. That means, if you put quanti quantities behind that, $7 trillion. $7 trillion of GDP is the third largest economy in the world by GDP. So this consumer cohort of even just the politically active in the United States that lean conservative is the third largest country in the world by GDP, larger than Japan and India, and only behind the United States and China. So the excitement here is really tangible when you can create an economy for this group of unheard and antagonized Americans that are fed up and ready to move their consumer purchasing power in a way that's quality, man, the sky's the limit. The American economy will change fundamentally for the better, especially when the businesses that we're trying to promote, and in our marketplace, we have well over 65,000 business vendors, 98% of them are small businesses. When those businesses can prosper in a sea of globalism, we'll know we're doing our job well, and I'm excited for the generational impact that'll ultimately have. Well, I, I think you're exactly right. We've got about a minute left. Tell us a little bit. Uh, people want to get involved with Public Square. If you've got a business or if you're just interested, how do people go and get involved? Well, you can head to publicsq.com. That's the best place to start, publicsq.com. If you're a consumer, join for free. Sign up. Only takes about 30 seconds. We're never going to ask you for money. There's no premium version that you have to pay for to unlock the whole thing. Come and enjoy the experience. You can shop from over 65,000 different business vendors that have all agreed with our set of core values, and they're not going to spend time, money, or resource antagonistically against those core values. And if you're a business, you can add your business for free at publicsq.com. We'd love it if you join the experience. No matter what your business is, uh, if you're aligned with our values and you're excited about the future of our country, we'd love to build that future with you and uh, you can also download the apps so if you go to publicsq.com you'll see the app icons to download on your smartphone from the app store or from google play whether you're iphone or android so we're building the parallel economy it only happens with the help of consumers and businesses like you and uh, jack we're proud to support your show and stand with you as we build this appreciate it man public sq they, they just literally went public themselves fight back economic warfare this is how we take them down 174 million for Sound of Freedom, they will not be able to unhear that. Long hours. I'm always listening to Human Events with Jack Posobiec. Jack Posobiec back here, final segment, Human Events Live. Look, I said it in the opening of the show, I'm going to say it now. You must focus because there are two types of people. The type of people in terms of how they respond to pressure. There's the type of people who fold under pressure and there's the type of people who return the pressure. That's got to be MAGA. That's got to be the people of this country because there are people, there are people when the heat is on, when it gets turned up and they say, this is too much, I got to run, I got I, I to get out of here. 
We got to go do something safe. We got to go for a candidate that that the left isn't going to fight. We got to go for a candidate that they're not going to take down. So walk me through the logic here. Walk me through the logic. You want to go for a candidate who says he'll take on the deep state because the deep state isn't going after him now and that he's actually the biggest threat to the deep state because they're not currently going after him. Well, isn't there a logic break there? Because the logic break would be that wouldn't the candidate that's the biggest threat to the deep state be the one on which the deep state is most focused, right? Pressure makes diamonds. Of course, down in Fulton County, pressure bursts pipes. But sometimes people press send instead of press and save. Here's the thing. They've got this guy up there, Joe Biden. Obviously has mental issues. Obviously not there fully. They will keep him up there as long as possible on the ballot. I believe this. But what I also believe is that the goal is not getting him across the finish line. The goal is to simply divide MAGA fund whoever, whoever the candidates are against him. And I've just got to say this, folks. Natalie Winters had a piece up earlier today, which comes out of reporting down in Florida, that Ken Griffin, uh, who was a major donor to the Never Back Down Super PAC, actually was able to get the legislation changed in Florida regarding the banning of Chinese real estate purchases that he was able to get loopholes and carve-outs put into that bill, that bill that was signed with great fanfare. And so let's go through the piece. To Ken Griffin, the Florida's wealthiest man, the effort represented an ideological affront. In its most extreme version, the proposed legislation would have essentially prohibited citizens of seven nations, including China and Venezuela, from buying property anywhere in South Florida, even though they had work permits. Sounds great. Love it. Awesome. Those limitations would have posed complications for Griffin's plan to relocate hundreds of employees to Miami, where he's planning to build a headquarters costing at least a billion dollars. So what did the Citadel founder do? The Citadel founder assembled a network of influence to rework the proposed law. Rework. I love this. This is out of Bloomberg, by the way. Rework. It's just a, just a, just a fun word that we're going to put in for corruption. Re rework. The scope of the restrictions was then narrowed geographically for those with work permits. The episode demonstrates the power Griffin has amassed in Florida roughly a year after moving from Chicago, becoming a force in local politics, philanthropy, and real estate. It also shows tensions between him and DeSantis as the governor pursues an increasingly right-wing and populist agenda as he runs for the Republican presidential nomination. He says, Ken Griffin, here you go, 54. We support the freedom of individuals who are lawfully working in the United States to purchase homes, and we will continue to advocate for those rights. You see? So here's how it works. 
when you've got people coming in from the Chinese Communist Party, when you've got people bringing in foreign workers from overseas to replace American workers, which is what all of these companies do, you then get your big boss who's flush with their cash to go through the legislature, whatever the legislature is, possibly even including the governor's office, to make sure that whatever law gets pushed in then follows exactly what you want. And so Citadel's lobbyists persuaded lawmakers to carve out exceptions for lawful workers and others according to people familiar with the process. So in the final version of law, uh, anyone with a U.S. visa, anyone with a U.S. visa is free to purchase a single property in the Miami enclaves with restrictions only within a five-mile radius, radius of military bases. You see how it works now, folks? You see how it works? These people, whether it's Wall Street, whether it's Silicon Valley, they do not have the interests of the American people at heart because there are billions and trillions of dollars at stake when it comes to the Chinese Communist Party. This is the intellectual property of the elites, the transnational globalist class, the cosmopolitan class. They are more than happy to work with the Chinese Communist Party. Why? Because it has made them vastly wealthy. They have demigod tier wealth on the backs of the Chinese Communist Party. The slave labor there, the consumption in the United States. Sure, we get big screen TVs. Great, we can get iPads. But it's built off of their slave labor. And we've lost our entire manufacturing base. We've gutted the infrastructure in this country. We've gutted the Midwest. We've gutted the South. We're replacing foreign work. We're replacing American workers with foreigners, foreign workers. And we're now changing our laws to benefit the Chinese Communist Party and the transnational globalists that are all in bed with them. So you know what? I'm sick of it. And I don't care if it's a Republican that's doing it or multiple Republicans doing it because I will hold Republicans' feet to the fire more than I hold Democrats. Why? Because that's my side. And that is how you use your leverage. We will do that. Pressure makes diamonds. And we will never stop applying pressures here on Human Events every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.